HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. This is Mike Edison, host of Art Senses of Seizures. You're listening to the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, please visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43 and the Good Beer Seal. And it's like April, what, 26th today? Or 25th? I can't even know. But we just came off the New York City Hot Sauce Expo. We're doing a lot of great things in New York City. And I'm happy to say with Ann Becerra that this is a room of very talented people today. We're going to talk about a little bit of barrel aging and sour beers. And uh, got Mike Siegel from Goose Island, John Lapolia from Bitter and Esters, B.R. Royer from Shelton Brothers, and my buddy Brennan Woodcock, who just took his Master Cicerone exam. Right on. Thanks All for right, the high end, so, baby. Yeah, you know, Ann, you, you went through that once. and. Uh, We've got some really talented people in the room. So first I'm going to ask you, Brendan, what, what was it like get, taking the Master Cicerone? Oh, that's an intimidating test. I, I don't think there's anyone that comes out of there saying, like, oh, yeah, I got an A+. Uh, it's, it's really a, uh, a grueling two-day uh, writing, oral, and uh, blind-tasting sort of nightmare. Uh, uh, but, you know, there are sadists who enjoy it, and I guess there were aspects that were, you know, if, if, if you've got to take a really hard test, it's good that it's about beer do you barf afterwards no <laughs> you know my, my, my mouth is foul because uh well, first mike asked a good question mike what did you want to know about uh, i want to know if we could swear on the air yeah and in my mouth i'm kind of i'm kind of foul mouth too because i just came from the new york city hot sauce expo where people were trying a lot of really hot peppers and they were barfing too so and i'm sure swearing i'm, just, I'm, in, the, I'm in the gutter but yeah you want to swear mike you can if you want yeah I, no like i said i can clean it up too so i can go both ways so what you know? What's it like working at at the Goose Island? So you're, you're you have a specific role. Let's let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. And John's going to tell us about you, you guys. We met because you were here in December working on a project with John Paul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My job is brewing innovation manager. Uh, in a nutshell, what that means is new beer development, um, and new beer development comes in many forms. Uh, sometimes it involves barrel aging. Uh, sometimes uh, these days we're saying more wood aging because we've got. Uh, just took on six new 80 hectoliter fooders, so larger uh, oak vats that were previously used for wine. Uh, but of course, the bulk of what we're doing is in uh, wine and whiskey barrels. So, and then we've got a pilot system uh, that's really only about a year old. That's uh, that's operated by me and Tim Faith, who's our innovation brewer, who's going to be here in a couple weeks uh, at John's uh, Bitter Nesters. What, what's the event there, John? Uh, that's going to be a, an IPA event uh, where uh, Tim will be talking about IPAs and uh, actually uh, hop growing and, and hop utilization. We're going to be doing a tasting with uh, two goose IPAs and two local IPAs that I haven't quite got yet. But that's going to be on um, May 7th, which is uh, Learn to Brew Day. Jimmy, if you get a chance, you, you need to meet Tim Faith. He is a, uh, he's a brewing uh, genius. He's uh, anything fermentation, wood aging. Uh, hops, you know, anything. He's uh, he's a great individual as well. Brendan, what is like, what is like working with these guys? Because I know you're at the high end division of Goose Island. It's fantastic to have access to a lot of different areas of research. It's not just Goose. Uh, it's it's a bigger company where there are 
brewing scientists of all stripes. And, you know, particularly with Goose, there's been just such an openness to say, hey, we're all part of a large family here. And there's a lot of free flow information back and forth and, and innovation can come from pretty much any angle. I know we were just talking about, uh, Mike, you took a trip out to Europe and you, you were talking with the beer historian there and just that kind of thing. Uh, we're actually, we're at, Ron Pattinson's his name and we're actually, uh, we two years in the making, sorry to cut you off there, Brennan, but I'm going to jump right into it. It's, uh, it's going to be a beer called Brewery Yard. Um, I don't know. Are you familiar with Ron at all? You, yeah, we've had him on the show. Have yeah. you? I you mean, he is. He takes it to. I mean, as far as brewing history goes, there is nobody uh, that goes more in depth. And so we did a collaboration beer with Ron that's going to be released this summer. He's got a great blog. Shut up about Barkley Perkins, oh. <laughs> which some people find controversial. But I mean, who can't love a guy that looks at what nineteenth-century you know brewing bills and tries to figure out. What? How many hops and and malts? Well, it's there been a daily poster for at least seven years. I mean, daily doesn't miss a day. So uh, he's amazing. So anyway, we're really really excited about that. It's going to be super small batch, and we're just going to release it at our tap room and then send some over to the Netherlands and the UK. But it's going to be uh, it's like according to Ron, it's what IPA used to be way back when, like what Bass Ale would have been in like the mid 18th century, like super super heavily hopped, super bitter. Uh, they didn't really know it at the time, but by throwing in all those hops and making a super bitter beer and then putting it to wood, it prevented the beer from going sour. It was, you know, it, the keep the bacteria at bay of that huge bitterness, but they needed to age it for the better part of a year for that more bitterness. Malt, more hops, things like 8% beer. Well, the bitterness is going to come down with time. You couldn't drink it right out of the gate. You needed it to mellow out. So that's why it took a year to, to age. That's why we're doing, um, doing that particular beer. It would add Britannomyces in it as well. Sounds like a nice beer. Yeah. So, John, you know, uh, well, the reason we met Mike is that you had an event back in December at Bitter Nesters. Tell us about that event, some of the things that you, – because you're such a great educator. You know, if you don't know Bitter Nesters, you're in Brooklyn. You're, you're like the last homebrew store, but you're more than a homebrew store. Your classes and education. Uh, we believe in beer education. I mean, every day something new is happening, so uh, we want to keep on top of it and keep our, our community on top of that as well. So Goose got in touch with us. Uh, about doing a barrel-aged talk and tasting and uh, sent Mike down. We were like, yeah, definitely. So we did two sessions, and uh, Mike talked while we actually did tasting, which was pretty cool. We tasted eight beers, and uh, we did two of the uh, bourbon counties. I think one was uh, the stout from 2014. The other one was the um, barley wine from 2013, I think. It was like really cool stuff. And then we had uh, some of the uh, the other barrel-age stuff, Sophie, I remember, and uh, Lolita. Mm -hmm. And then we also had stuff from Six Point and from Finback. So we had a couple of, of local barrel-age things as well. And uh, Mike talked the whole time. People were, were really engaged. Um, really loved trying the beers. Uh, it was a, a pleasure for me because as I was uh, serving, I was drinking. And we did uh, two sessions. So it worked out so well that they got in touch with us again to do this IPA thing on, on May 7th. So uh, we're going to have Tim Faith is going to come, and he's going to talk all about uh, uh, the IPAs. Uh, they, you guys have an Imperial IPA now, which I, I didn't realize, right? Yeah, the, uh, the, the Illinois. Um, we, last year it was a uh, limited release, and this year it's, uh, we're going year-round on it. So uh, it was a big hit in a small window last year we're going to go year round on it so it's great beer to look for Mike when you, when you came to New York in December I, I met you because you came to Jimmy's number 43 and I appreciate that and it was great talking to you it was, was on my bucket list well, not, what were some I'm of not the... trying to shine your shoes over here but it was on my bucket list I wanted to I don't even visit. have shoes you yeah. can shine but, <laughs> and you know bar owners we don't shine our shoes yeah well me neither do you yeah. see these things yeah but um, you know what were some of the places that you, that you liked in New York and, and, and some of the New York beers that you tried uh, we tried quite a few I not just here, but anywhere I go, I want to drink. Um, I, I want to taste what's local first. Um, and uh, and the, the Brooklyn, there's a ton of Brooklyn breweries. Um, I actually just finished off a, a Threes uh, Pilsner, which was really nice. Um, we um, we met, actually, we had one of the Six Point Brewers in, in, the, in the session Cure. back in December. Uh, got to meet him. Um, we stopped into uh, Blind Tiger. Um, and it was a kind of a quick visit, so I didn't. I think you might have met Anne. Yeah, yeah, possibly. probably. Yeah. <laughs> what's, your, what's your shift at Blind Tiger? Everyone should know that our listeners. Yeah, I mean, we Thursday? rotate a lot, so you know, it's kind of why we work at the bar, so we can be a little bit more flexible. But if it was for an event, I'm sure I saw you there. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, again. But what's a, your regular shift, Anne? You can't tell anybody. <laughs> 
<laughs> what was the word? It's always a good time to visit the blind tiger. I want to know when you're there. <laughs> changes. It changes. Yeah. So again, I'm not I'm not intimately familiar with the the New York scene. So when I when I come here, I mean, there's there's so much to absorb here in the city. So when I come here, I just try to uh, kind of focus in and you know try a couple of breweries. We went to. Um, uh, what was the the bar right around the corner from you? That Covenoven. Yeah, yeah. We went to Covenoven afterwards, um, and had uh, quite a few great beers there as well. Like, is there, Brenda? What, what's it for you? Like, you know, you're it's beer industry. There's jobs. You have a job. But when Mike Siegel comes to town, you got to take him around. So, what are the, some of the things that you're you're doing with Mike? Like, tell us what you're doing tonight, tomorrow night, and I get some plans. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think we might be working with you on a, a, a couple things. But uh, uh, tonight we have um, the. The food writers and media portion of the James Beard Awards, and Goose Island is sponsoring that, so we'll have a presence there, and, and we'll get to hang out and have dinner and watch the award show. And then tomorrow, actually, uh, there are still a couple tickets left, so if anybody's listening, they should come out. Uh, we have an April Sours dinner with you, Jimmy, and it's... Oh, um, Jimmy's number 43, I forgot. Uh, Jimmy's 43, yeah. <laughs> we'll just put a plug in there. There's um, We're going to have some of the beers that we're tasting today, and then a few others, so we'll have Halia and Sophie and Madam Rose and Bourbon County pulling out a, a couple surprises too, maybe, and and uh, a, a nice diverse menu. We'll have the Bourbon County Stout on draft too, which is Absolutely. pretty special. Great. Have you guys ever had that before on draft? The Bourbon County? Yeah, of course. Oh, I don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have a hand in uh, the Illinois, the new double IPA? That was a that's a recipe from our brewmaster Jared Jankowski. Um, he um, we actually had to. That, that recipe's had a few different incarnations. It's because the hops are very di- Originally, we used meridians, um, which are a tough hop to get. Um, so we've had to, we've done it three years in a row, and we've had to switch up the hops. But, you know, this is, this is nothing new to a lot of breweries that are making hoppy beers. Is there's a lot of challenges when you, uh, when you find a great hop of, you know, finding those hops again in, in any decent quantity. Um, but we've got a, a nice, again, a great beer. We brought down the alcohol a little bit. It's 8.3 instead of 9. Uh, we wanted to, uh, again, it's not a sessionable beer by any means, but we wanted to just bring down the alcohol a little bit and, and balance it out, balance as much as an IPA can be. Brandon, what, what's the beer that we're drinking? We're having the Goose Island Sophie right now. It's a Belgian farmhouse style. Um, great segue into the wood aging component. A, a, a portion of it, maybe around 10%, is a, a blend of a uh, three to four month aged actually i'm looking at mike I, he he should probably introduce it but it's aged on top of uh you're doing good so far yeah and um it develops a nice tartness which is then blended into uh the final batch the idea with the wood aging here is to we reuse these barrels so uh we we call them oak neutral so we're not looking to get wine character certainly or even any oak character out of them they're just convenient little secondary fermenters for Britannomyces to work uh with the beer so age it for three to four months and then incorporate it in the rest of the beer. And then, Brendan, talking food and beer pairing. So the dinner tomorrow night, uh, which which point are we having the Sophie? Are we having the Sophie for the dinner? We are, yeah. It's going to go with a uh, duck confit banh mi salad. Well, that sounds good. Sure does. <laughs> I think we're still waiting for the duck. Can't tell you that. But, <laughs> you know, talking about it's what's fun about having, you know, people like yourself in town mike is it for us it's like a little beer bar pub to be able to put together like a, a pairing menu it's is really a lot of fun i know a lot of our listeners ha- ask about that or are interested in it you know and brendan i know that's one of your specialties and, and Anne as well you know w- what would make what are other good pairings for this sophie Let, let's 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 talk about that it's such a diverse beer right i think this is something that could probably go with every meal every uh you know brunch this is a, for me a brunch drink right off the bat but Sophie for brunch. Yeah, I haven't actually paired with this. We do Sophie Mosas actually. Yeah. Uh, orange juice and Sophie for breakfast. Sophie Mosas paired with Belgian waffles. No. Belgian <laughs> waffles. That sounds good. Not bad. I, I love it with a uh, uh, lime shrimp ceviche. It's fantastic. It's home run. Great with a lot of seafood. It's a nice halibut dish. That- yeah, it could almost act as the spritz of citrus on the seafood, you know, if you don't have that. It's a good pairing. Can I ask you one quick question, what you were just saying, just to go into that a little bit more about that barrel aging? Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't want the character from the barrel, is it the same beer that you'll use over and over to just keep getting that Brett character? Or can you put, like, you know? We use, yeah, the, the same beer. The Saison and orange peel goes into those barrels for three or four months, and then it comes out, and then we rinse and steam the barrels, kind of start over again, but... Fresh beer in it, fresh orange peel. But fresh, fresh so, okay, that's what I meant. Yeah. Like, so you're always, not just being able to use it with no specific beer character and kind of 
switch yeah, out the beers. It's always the it's always the saison again. It's uh, roughly ten percent of the beer goes into the wood, ages for three to four months at the same time. Uh, we're always taking beer out and putting it into that fresh beer. So cool, uh, and that just gives it a little tartness, a little character. Certainly, orange peel comes. You know, you can smell in the aroma. Fresh Sophie's got uh, that bright citrus aroma. Uh, as it ages, kind of after the six-month point, the citrus will tail off, and we'll start to get more of the Britannomyces character. Is, is this up. an original, a Greg Hall recipe? This is uh, not Greg, I believe. This, I believe this is uh, Brian Taylor, um, who recently left us to start his, uh, his own brewery winer in Chicago. But I believe this is his recipe. Is there, is there a Belgian you know, classic beer that may have inspired this that you guys can think of? Well, this, you know, the Sophie goes back to, um, I want to say, 2007 or so. Uh, and my guess is, and again, I w- I've been around for five years at Goose, so I wasn't there at the inception of this. But uh, Saisons were just picking up around there. And DuPont, I think, has always been the, the standard. Um, but at Goose, we, we kind of, you know, we take inspiration. We, we want to do our own thing. So that's where the orange peel got involved and Britannomyces and the, the portion barrel aging. That's great, man. We're off to a good start here. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Yeah, woo. All right. <laughs> so what are we at now? I'll be back in a hurry. I gotta go to 15th Street and cop another 40. It doesn't matter because we're drunk and we're young. A couple kids trying to have some fun. And we know these are the days we look back upon. In 1996, El Mike & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Big cheers for our sponsors, Union Beer Distributors, GreatBeerBrewers.com. Love you guys. Thanks for so much support over the years, uh, almost six years now, guys. I think we, we hit six years last month, so we missed that anniversary, but... You know, and Anne, what, what about you? You've been well, on the show now for a while. We don't know if it's April or not. So we, is I mean, it April? <laughs> <laughs> we don't know what day of the week it is or anything, so I'm not surprised we forgot that. So you've been That's on okay. the show for a while now. You've been on some great shows. What are some of the, the favorite guests that, that you've sat with so far? Well, I actually thought last week was kind of fun just to hear such strong opinions about the Reinheitsgebot and, you know, one of the oldest brewing countries in the world and how people have such different views about long-standing rules and things like that but i'm really excited to try some beer from brazil today which is really exciting i know you guys do a lot of individual like local ingredients and Wait, kind of a this, new take who's this guy that just nice walked segue. into the, yeah. the studio <laughs> little by little we'll start talking yeah, who is this guy i'm alejandro i'm from way beer from brazil and thanks for having me. And, and Br, did you bring this guy? I did. This is uh, our first and only South American brewery. Is Way Beer, um, and we brought them in for Shelton Brothers. Right? For Shelton yeah. Brothers, yes. Um, very intrigued by the use of both uh, native woods to age the beers in, as well as indigenous fruits uh, with the sour beers that that they make. And it was definitely something that you know beyond just you know an IPA or a blonde ale or something that really spoke about the place of Brazil, and you can get the sense of the, the terroir there. Well, that's, that's, that's a good start, but I think that's why you're on, too, because we were talking about wood aging and barrel aging. Let's try to define this. So, you know, and Anne, let's jump in. Uh, we'd say sour beers, but from some recent shows, we don't think sour is really the right term to describe. Well, not all barrel aged beers. beers have to be sour as well. I think a big misconception, especially with barrel aging or, or with the new kind of sour beers, is all my customers tend to think Brett makes beer sour. And I think just starting with the most basic thing, you know, this golden bread is not sour send it back and it's like okay we're really kind of starting from scratch a lot of times so 
Yeah, just understanding what bacteria is, what Britannomyces is, what a barrel does, barrel fermenting versus barrel aging. You know, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think listeners are still a little confused. Yeah. Maybe not I, our I, listeners, I but a need, lot of people. I think we need to, to give new vocabulary for these kind of beers. Well, for instance, put a context to it, but you're exactly right. Britannomyces doesn't necessarily uh, make a beer sour. Uh, we've got a beer called Matilda that um, we, we've got bottles of that going back uh, eight, nine years, uh, and they're not sour. The Britannomyces character is going to add that uh, kind of like an orchard fruit character. At least, you know, it's going to, in the case of Matilda, it's a kind of a freshly fallen fruit character. Um, it's uh, a little bit of that hay and grassy and sometimes can be a little smoky and leathery. Um, and it can produce some acid, but usually not enough. Uh, you know, when you've got other things going on like bacteria and fruit and whatnot, uh, certainly mul- you know, multiple layers of uh, acid-producing microbes um, can create a sour beer. In the case of Lolita, which we just poured, uh, we're putting in Britannomyces bruxellensis, but we're also putting in unpasteurized, unsanitized fruit. And whatever's on the skins of the fruit right. is there's wild yeast, there's bacteria. Mm-hmm. We're not putting bacteria in there, but it's part of the part of what's going in there with that fruit. And that goes into that beer. And this beer is going to age in the barrel, in the wine barrel, for the better part of a year. And that acid's really going to develop over the better part of that year. Small, we use 200, most of our, our casks are 225-liter wine casks. And they're taking on a decent amount of oxygen versus a fooder. You know, the larger that you get, the larger vessel you get, the, more, the less exposure to oxygen, the surface area of the beer that's exposed to oxygen. Uh, in, in the case of acetobacter, it's going to convert ethanol and oxygen to acetic acid. So really, acetic acid and lactic acid is what you're going to be tasting when you're talking about sour beers. And then, Brandon, you know, as, as a beer educator, you worked at places like Taurus. Now, how, how did you, what language do you use to describe these types of beers to your customers? I mean, beyond sour. Right. So it, it totally depends on the flavor that you're developing with the aging process. When we talk about the use of wood, it can be for the development of tartness, sourness, lactic acidity. Say we have a gooseberry kind of yogurty sourness for lactobacillus or something like that, or a vinegary sourness that you might get from an, an acetic acid. But you're really talking about the barrel being more than just a contributor of sourness. It's, it's more a house for the culture that you choose to use with it. If you want to use something like a Brett Clausini and get a much brighter fruit flavor, tropical fruit, grapefruit, you can do that. And the Brett C uh, will live in that wood. And it's because it has the properties to break down the wood and use it for its own survival. Whereas a Saccharomyces or a standard brewer's yeast would not. It would, it would die. It would drop out. Yeah, but is, is really, you know, it's, it's a it, it, totally different metabolic pathway than Saccharomyces. It actually secretes an enzyme that allows it to break down these longer chain starches and sugars uh, that Saccharomyces can't. So that's why it's really a finishing yeast. You know, you can do, certainly plenty of brewers have done all Brett beers, uh, and they turn out, sometimes they're surprised that they're not as funky uh, as beers that are just finished with Brett. Brett's uh, main role in in brewing uh, history has been as a finishing yeast, so kind of picking up where Saccharomyces leaves off. Hey, Mike, I have a question for you. So as homebrewers, um, what a lot of homebrewers can actually do is uh, pitch Brettanomyces mm-hmm. and, and allow the, the without it being in wood, you know, just in a, in a clean fermenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then if they want a wood character, they'll add wood chips. They won't actually barrel age. Okay. So uh, what is the advantage of barrel aging a beer as opposed to doing it that way? Because you, you guys could probably, you know, pitch in steel. Yeah, and, we, and then we do it, for certain beers. Like Matilda, again, is it's entirely stainless steel. Um, Matilda doesn't go into wood at all, but it does. We put Britannum, we pitch it with uh, primary yeast, the Belgian strain, let it ferment out. Then we pitch it with Britannomyces bruxellensis, let it go for about two weeks. Then we uh, package it and add more Britannomyces to the bottle just as a, you know, it's not necessarily bottle condition, but it's got that Britannomyces is going to consume oxygen. It's going to be a protector, kind of an insurance policy for that beer and also contribute flavor over time. That's why we say these beers are going to continue to develop for over five years. That's great. And now, Beer, give us a little intro on Alejandro, because, you know, what beers is he bringing to the States? Are these the beers that he's making in Brazil? And jump in on the sour and wood aging thing. 
Yeah, the the wood. I mean, he, he could obviously better explain. Um, but the the beers that that really intrigued us were the Sour Me Not series. Uh, we have three of them. All three use different uh, native Brazilian fruits, um, and the fruits themselves are are fairly tart as well. So that's contributing. You know, they're they're not a sweet sweet fruit. So that kind of just accentuates the sourness. And then for the wood aged beers, um, uh, aging in Amburana, which is what uh, used to age cachaça, um, and these are also you know native woods in Brazil and really giving these are the barrels are I find give it just a very unique character things like you're not getting out of an oak barrel whether it's French or American oak um, and I think Alejandro would be the one to to better explain the woods he uses and, and the fruits yeah well the, the idea to uh, bringing uh, beers to the US was not to bring IPAs or pale ales uh, we knew that we had to bring uh, some beers with uh, Brazilian character and uh, in Brazil, we have uh, many, many types of wood, and we age cachaça for more than 400 years. So it made sense to use cachaça barrels to age beers. And also, uh, talking about uh, the beers that well, we have here today, so the fruits, what we do is uh, we were the first brewer in Brazil to make sour beers. And uh, we started making uh, this. And this, the thing about the, uh, the Britannomyces and uh, the sourness is something that also we struggle a, a lot in Brazil because consumers, they don't know. And uh, they think we, we have a bread IPA, which is 100% uh, Britannomyces, and it's not sour at all. And people don't, like, relate, you know, uh, to that. But then for these beers, uh, for the fruit beers, we use uh, we do a sour mash, and then uh, we control the acidity of the of the of the beer. And when it gets to the point that we want to, 3.2, 3.3, uh, we crash it. Uh, we actually heat it up and then add saccharomyces and the fruit, uh, unpasteurized um, and uh, fresh fruit. So this brings a lot of bacteria also. So, and what yeah. were those fruits? Did you mention the? Uh, well, for for these beers, uh, we we use graviola, which is a. Uh, oh yeah, that's at my supermarket. <laughs> graviola is the one we're drinking right now. Graviola, how yeah. do you know it? Uh, graviola is a green fruit. Uh, it's very common in Brazil. Uh, it has it's it's a very fatty fruit. It has a lot of fat. Uh, so yeah. what's the fruit that's shaped like a star? Oh, Star, that's carambola. Star fruit. Star fruit? <laughs> <laughs> in, in Portuguese, it's called carambola. Uh, Brian uh, from Stillwater made a, a made a collaboration in Brazil with that fruit. We don't we don't uh, we. It's a fruit that has a lot of uh, aroma, but not a lot of taste. Uh, so we use graviola and we use uh, cashew. Uh, you know the cashew nut. Mm -hmm. So we use cashew also because it has a lot of Brazilian uh, character. So. So yeah, I want to. Well, you can ask John too. Oh, I'm just curious. What's the Brazilian uh, brew scene like right now? I get a lot of Brazilian customers, and uh, they're they're really passionate. Is there is there a ton of breweries and uh, innovative uh, stuff going on? Well, uh, when we started uh, almost six years ago, uh, there was a few uh, breweries in in Brazil, but it's growing a lot. Uh, when we started, maybe there were a hundred breweries in Brazil. Now there's probably around 300 or 400 breweries in the entire country. Um, we, uh, we're small breweries. We make about 40,000 liters a month. And uh, so it, the scene is, is growing a lot, but uh, taxes are, uh, uh, are very high. Um, and that, that's why I get a lot of customers. They actually come to New York to buy homebrew supplies. Yeah. Because uh, it's a lot cheaper it to, is. to come here and take it back. Yes. Cool for me. Great people too. It is really Fun cheap. People. Yeah, uh, when when they buy their jeans here too. <laughs> when, when we go to a liquor selling jeans. <laughs> when we go to a, a liquor store in the states, I'm here for like uh, a couple of days now, and you go to a liquor store and the beer is really cheap. I mean, uh, I know I know some people that uh, they want to try a beer, but they only sell it in six packs. They will buy a six pack, try two beers, and then leave the other four beers in the, at, at the hotel and go back home because it's still cheap. Uh, in Brazil. Yeah, you hear that, everybody? That's well, <laughs> absolutely. Be thankful. I was down there. I was down there last July, and we were launching some beer down there. And yeah, like you said, they don't 
from what I saw, they don't sell by the six pack. No. It's just by the individual bottle. So yes. a single bottle of Goose IPA was going for about five fifty US. Yeah. Five dollars and fifty cents off premise for takeaway for home. Wow. I mean, it's it's crazy. So it's yeah, worth it. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I feel like the end result's going to be a lot of really super talented Brazilian homebrewers looking to take it to the next level, and then, you know, hopefully yeah. by that point, the, the tax system I think the alternative change. wood, yeah. you know, alternative to oak is really exciting. Uh, yeah, Amburana, Amburana is a, it's a, it's a, we were the first brewery to use Amburana uh, to age beers, and uh, this is really cool. Uh, we, we, we made a, uh, like a, a uh, a study with a, a college professor that is specializes in wood um, uh, toasting for mm -hmm. aging cachaça, mm -hmm. and we developed a toast for the Amburana Lager, which is one of the beers that we're selling here in the U.S. And it's really cool because uh, you can go to the place where they fabric the where they make the the barrels, and they can you know just do it as you want. So it's it's really unique, and this wood actually uh, takes out the palate and taste of the alcohol of the beer and bring us uh, sweetness so very uh, like a 9% alcohol beer uh, it will taste like a 4 maybe 5% alcohol hmm. and uh, you get all that aroma and that taste so it's really really cool I was going to say we were just tasting the Lolita from Goose Island going from that to, to this one Brendan you know what? What are the different tastes going on in my mouth? Because Alita was a little more assertive and sour, and this is this is like soft and you know, yeah, they're exotic. Totally, I mean, totally different strengths. What we're drinking right now, uh, I don't want to put words in the brewer's mouth. I, I would guess is somewhere around the territory of a Berliner Weiss. Yeah, uh, in the sense that it's around four percent alcohol, three point five, three point five. Uh, and has a nice passion fruit tartness. There's a little bit of a funky nose to it. And the Lolita that we were drinking is a strong beer, around 8% alcohol. And this one, we were uh, drinking the 2013 vintage, so it had time to develop in the bottle. It got a uh, very assertive acidity and uh, even a little bit of uh, an acetic acid note. So, and then what, so quite at the dinner tomorrow night, you'll pass us her own test. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> at the dinner, hopefully it does. At the dinner tomorrow night, what are we pairing with the Lolita? We're actually doing a very similar beer, uh, the Madame Rose, and that's uh, going to be paired with a, uh, a pork or chicken adobo, uh, the choice of the attendee. But you're right, John. We're putting him on the spot. So you just did the Matt's Cicerone <laughs> test last week, and Anne's done it too, so we're not letting you up. But it's fun having Alejandro on, man. It's like, um, you know, BR, for you guys, why did you, what, you picked a guy from Brazil, and you don't have any other South American breweries. What was it about his brewery that, that stood out for you guys? It was it was the the fruits and and the wood, um, the amburana. I find, like I said, it, it's very unique. It almost gives sort of a cinnamon spice note to it, as well as the wood character that is coming out of it. Um, uh, very unique, and like I say, we've we've tried to get away for our imported beers in bringing in things like the, the IPAs and and just styles that. You know, it can be the best IPA in the world brewed elsewhere, but it's competing in terms of freshness and price against a local beer. And it, at this point, it just doesn't make it. It's not fair to the brewer because it's not representing their work. So we're trying to find beers that have a little bit more sense of place, aside from our classics, like our German, you know, our Keller beers, uh, our British pale ales. Those things we feel like these are extremely representative of the style. They've been around for a long time, and we continue to bring those in. But in terms of new breweries and new beers, we're looking thing, for things that stand out and that also like I said give, give a sense of what's happening in the brewing scene so for our Nordic brewers they're using things like sea buckthorn um, and Nordic ingredients uh, for, for South America it made perfect sense for, for fruits and woods from there that's great man Alejandro thanks so much for joining us we'll be back in a few minutes and talk more on Beer Sessions Radio alright One and only Dave Arnold brings the noise to Heritage Radio Network every Tuesday on Cooking Issues. Coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. If the bomb was going to drop, 
and you only had 15 minutes. Which is like, I can, I can make a sandwich in 15 minutes. You'll be eating a sandwich. I'd kiss my wife, make a sandwich. If you believe that it's all about to be over, why eat healthy? I'm not a freaking Neanderthal. I like a tempered ice cream sandwich. But it's the only way to get around it if you're a party master because you, you're going to wind up, like your kitchen's going to fill with dishes. And is Some there... people have commercial dishwashers in their house. Who? I've seen them. Who? I've seen them. Who? <laughs> really rich people. <laughs> For more mile-a-minute knowledge from Dave and the crew, listen to Cooking Issues, available on Heritage Radio Network, iTunes, and Stitcher. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. You know, Dave Arnold is one of our, our top hosts on Cooking Issues, and he's totally insane. But, you know, it's like if you want to know, I don't know, your blender breaks or something, you're supposed to call Dave. And you know, But we're talking about beer right now. We've got a brewer from Brazil and the brewery innovation guy from Chicago here. So um, let's keep going deep. Let's go deeper on this, guys. My thing is, like, what is sour? Why call it sour beer? The sour mash, there's different techniques, you know. What, what are the better techniques to make really good lasting sour beers is, is sour mash like a shortcut those are f- big questions right <laughs> well yeah it's it, it, no, it's not a shortcut it's just uh it's a quicker you're seeing you're seeing a um uh growing popularity in berliner weiss and berliner weiss style beers with uh with a lot of breweries now because they can develop lactic acidity very quickly and then also boil it and not uh, contaminate their entire cellar with it. Uh, that's a big deal. Um, so they can make they can get to a, a you know a nice lactic character rather quickly. Um, and barrel aging uh, the way we do it. And the, the main reason we uh, we don't do a sour mash uh, or kettle souring is because we're running twenty four seven, and it takes up a vessel. You know, how long is yours sit in the vessel for? Do you do a sour? Uh, up to from ten hours to three days. Yeah, depends. So we, we just can't afford to yeah. ha- tie up the brew house for that long because we need to be you know, a production brewery. Well, what we do is, uh, sorry, uh, we we take it to a, a, a vessel and then we measure the pH every two or three hours and then we take it back. So you the next put it day. to another another tank or another yeah. vessel. Yeah, yeah. So and that's and it's that's awesome. And there's a lot of breweries that are doing that right now. Um, what we're doing is we're creating sourwort in. Um, in a, in a tank as well, uh, and then sending that to the kettle. We're doing a, a sessionable sour beer that's going to come out later this year, uh, something that's going to be uh, kind of an entry-level uh, session uh, sour beer uh, for people that maybe a Jillian or a Lolita would be you know, too much of a step forward. We want to introduce them to sour beers through the Goose Island portfolio with something a little bit more graceful. And it's good for price as well, right? So, yeah. like, you know, not everybody can afford to... To get a twelve dollar five ounce pour of something that's been aging in barrels for three years, you know, and it's nice to have a Having variety. Having the space, yeah. Um, we're getting into fooders now, which is really our first step into larger oak vats. And like I said earlier, um, the main deal there is they're going to be taking on a lot less oxygen over time. So you're going to see these are the beers that are inspired by Rodenbach and whatnot that they can really sit in those vats for for years. Yeah, that, that, that's a great example, Rodenbach. Yeah. Yeah, I got to go through their cellar, uh, got a tour from their brewmaster about a year ago, and that place is unbelievable. John, when, you, when you're starting out with you know, homebrewers, maybe they got beyond the, the 101 class that I took that like, I couldn't finish because there was too much cleaning. You know, what, what, what time? <laughs> I famously taught Jimmy not how to brew beer. Yeah. He, he talked me out of opening talked a, out of a, a brew pub in my backspace. But, um, you know, what's the first sour beer that you would teach to a new homebrewer? Probably a Berliner Weiss. Uh, that, that's probably the easiest thing. Or maybe a, a, a Gosa would be the, the two sours because you can just pitch lactobacillus. Uh, it, and uh, if you want to pitch bread, you can. You can, you can pitch lactobacillus and uh, saccharomyces at the same time, and you'll get a sour beer. Um, so most home brewers will do Berliner Weisses or they'll do Gosa style. But you're not going to do Lambics as a home brewer, although home brewers of the year won with a, a Lambic last year. With a, uh, a goose. And BR, you know, we have coming up at Jimmy's number 43 our annual April Sours. We're not doing an event, we're just going to have different sour beers for the whole weekend. I have a bunch of Jolly Pumpkins that I'm waiting to open and serve by the glass. What, what are some beers in your portfolio that you would recommend for a, a bar that's going to do a, a sour beer weekend? 
I get I probably get at least one request a week from bars asking me of what sours do you have and it can range anything you know they might just be looking simply for a Brett fermented beer or you know a funky beer as opposed to a sour beer but yeah I mean I think we've got Berliner Weiss at the lower end of the spectrum and some, some Gosa, of the particular uh, brands the, the Braubacher Berliner Weiss from Berlin uh, Ritter Guts Gosa um, you know classic classic Gosa um, you know and then we go all the on the other end of the spectrum um, Lambics and Goose from Cantillon and Dre Fontainen, um, you know, sort of standard bearers of the style, and everything in between. We've got brewers doing sour mash. Two all from Denmark does a, a sour, which means sour in Danish. Sour uh, series, all sour mashed with um, single hops, dry hops. And they have one called the gutter mouth too. After the sewer, you know. <laughs> I'm really bad today. <laughs> Because Mike said I could say whatever I want yeah, on there. Brandon was like leaning in. What were you going to say, Brandon? Uh, I, I just get so excited about uh, Trois Dames. I believe it's from Switzerland, and, and they have a, oh, yes. a blend of saisons and sours in terms of what they put out. And I was trying to signal to end. Does BR still have uh, Trois Dames? Yes, yeah, from the Jura in Switzerland. Raphael uh, works with a lot of local vintners and ages. But he does both blends of saisons with grape must, so then it referments with the wild yeast on the grape skin, as well as aging in wine barrels. So let's go to Alejandro. So what inspires you, man? Like you're in Brazil, which is emerging beer country. We know that our friends, the, the Mondial Festival from Montreal, are doing a festival in Brazil. Um, you know, what, what made you want to do sour beers? Well, uh, we attend the Copenhagen Beer Celebration for, uh, this will be the fourth year that we go. And uh, in 2013, uh, I think, uh, Jesser King and many other brewers, uh, we're doing sour beers and uh it kind of uh interests us because the use of fruits uh in beer making them fresh in in some way may be uh an alternative for people that don't like hoppy beers so in brazil when you make a hoppy beer you know, a lot of people don't don't usually like it and sour beers is uh it's a craft beer, it's different, and you can bring the terroir from your town or wherever the place you are. So uh, so that's what, so we started to study. We actually did uh, 15 uh, tests uh, with different fruits. Um, three of them were undrinkable, uh, two tart, and uh, so we chose uh, four or five to uh, make them. And we still don't make them, uh, we don't make a lot of them, because in Brazil, the market is small for craft beer and it's smaller for sour beer so they make a lot of noise but they don't sell too much uh but yeah uh we we love them i mean you, you get a person that doesn't like beer uh craft they say it's too hoppy or too strong or whatever and uh and if that person likes wine or sparkling wine or champagne and you give them a sour beer so you, you can you can uh make them appreciate a different beer so yeah uh-huh. Well, uh, Jimmy, I just uh, wanted to mention, we were talking about barrel aging, right? And we mentioned before that because something's barrel aged doesn't necessarily mean it's sour, and, and the Bourbon County would be a good example of that, uh, that you can get wood character without being sour. I just, it, we, don't, we don't have to be sour for, if we're in wood, right? We can get a, a, a nice wood character. Can I ask that, that wood that you used, sorry, really quickly, um, is there anything else about it besides the flavored and parts like how porous it is or how long it takes to impart flavor? Like what specifically makes that wood stand out over well, something else? Uh, I think the, the the character of that beer and, and of that wood, and we uh, that's not a sour beer. Uh, uh, the Amberana Lager or the Barley Wine, right. they are not sour beers. Uh, and uh, they, ha- they are high alcohol, maybe 13 11%, 12%. So uh, we keep them in the wood for uh, up to two years, 24 months. Yeah. And uh, they don't get sour at all. Uh, and we wash the, after we, we use the barrels, we wash them with cachaça uh, for a few days. So we, and then we take that cachaça uh, out and then we add more beer. So it brings complexity, it brings flavor, brings tastes. And uh, so, yeah. So if you have a, we had talked about last week the German purity law, Ryan Heights vote. The Brazilian purity law would be wash your cask with cachaça. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And what's the famous cocktail made with cachaça? Caipirinha. So, yeah. You know, maybe there's a hint of the caipirinha flavor in that sour beer we just had. Um, yeah. Well, you can use a little bit too. Has that uh, ever been done a caipirinha sour? Because that sounds awesome. 
No, I'm going to write that down. <laughs> Thank you. I, I tell you what, just to chime in here unsolicited, if you do a caipirinha and top it off with IPA, it's not a bad combo. Dude. Point taken. Yeah, we did a beer uh, with the guys at, do you know um, Jose Felipe at Vols? Yeah, I know yeah. them. Yeah, we did. We were down there. When we were down there last July, we did a dark triple uh, with a local Belo Horizonte is where they're at. Yeah, yeah. Um, local nut called a Baru nut. Uh, and then these tiny little bananas. Yeah. Uh, so dark triple with these tiny bananas, and a lo- we wanted to use local ingredients. Went to the market, got all those things, and aged it in cachaça barrels. Um, and it turned out, you know, it turned out great. He just sent us some bottles a couple months ago. So uh, really happy with that. I wasn't really that familiar with cachaça. Uh, we went to a cachaçaria, uh, Velo Verde. Yeah. Um, which was it was great to see the operation again. It, it's it's you know most cachaça isn't aged right most of it well it's uh some of it's but, aged but most yeah. of it's a white spirit and then, then yeah, some of it's it, aged a couple years yeah you have uh you have white cachaça uh it would be like something like a moonshine it's and then you have aged cachaça and you have single barrel cachaça and so brazil is uh really big and each uh region has different uh cachaça because where you, it, it depends where you plant the sugar cane mm-hmm. so it will bring if it has more acidity it will bring something different to the cachaça so it depends a lot so the cachaça from Minas Gerais it's a lot different from the cachaça uh from Curitiba which is closer to the ocean and to different soil so uh it's really interesting it's really cool yeah yeah, yeah. and then the different woods as well he had some I want to say he called it balsam. Yeah, balsam. balsam yeah, it's more neutral. Yeah, it yeah. will bring less flavor to the cachaça. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I we scratched the barrel. Just he had a kind of a an unused fooder that he was going to age in, and to me, it kind of had a floral yeah. aroma to the to the wood itself. It just, I'm just fascinated by the other hardwoods that they yeah that they we make barrels with down there. Uh, we have here uh, also uh, a triple wood aged, which is uh, uh, we we did a barley wine and we aged it in three different barrels. So it's Amburana, Castanheira, and Cabriuva. I think it's the third one, and we, we age we, we aged the, the three different beers, the same beer in three different barrels, and then we blended. And uh, you get different flavors from each wood, so it's it's a lot interesting. It's really interesting. Yeah, did you bring it? Another, awesome. another beer from Way Beer? Yeah, I do. It's the the sour me not cashew. I was hoping to bring the Amburana, and uh, I've been I've been laid low with a bad cold and haven't been able to get out and pop do the rounds. But yeah, then, we've got the cashew. And Brandon, quick, you, you gave us what the Jillian from Goose Island? Yeah, we tried the Jillian. And what is, what's that style? That's uh, strawberries and honey, and uh, white pepper. Sour beer, and then we also opened the uh, the Bourbon County. Just when we were talking about uh, developing flavor in the beer from the previous spirit that had been in the wood. Okay, so now Alejandro, tell us about this next beer. Okay, so uh, you know the cashew nut. Uh, so this beer is made from uh, from cashew, which is the, from the fruit, which is actually uh, underneath the uh, the nut. We do uh, a sour mash. When we get the acidity to 3.2, we add the fruit and we pitch some uh, saccharomyces. Uh, so this fruit is very tropical. Uh, and the idea of this beer is to bring as much character from the fruit as we can. So when you drink the three different beers, uh, the graviola, the cashew, and the acerola, you will see it's the same malt, uh, malt basis uh, and the same uh, yeast, but... The different kind of fruit will bring a lot of character to the beer. So it's to bring uh, to the Americans, brewers, and uh, beer drinkers a little of uh, the Brazilian uh, terroir. You know, the, the nose is crazy. Absolutely nutty. It's, it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, good one. Unintended. <laughs> I'll do that again. The nose is crazy, but <laughs> well, in Brazil, such a such a hot weather climate too. I mean, I was down there in your winter last July, and it was uh, I was wearing shorts and a t shirt. But I mean, just like with Florida, I think Berliners have really taken off in Florida uh, and kind of been like a state craft style. I think same thing. I could you know anticipate in the next five ten years in Brazil where Berliners could really you know as long as the craft scene keeps picking up there, something like this could be great. Yeah, the, it's that a, hot weather climate. It's a it's a beer. Uh, after you you pass that um, that um, that uh, wall from like people not knowing what sour beers are, and if you, I mean it's easier to explain to Brazilians that this is not a beer. This is like some kind of beverage made with fruit. 
Uh, and you can drink it uh, at the beach with the sun. And sure. Yeah, it's a lot easier than a, a stout or a porter. <laughs> uh, last question to wrap it up. Anybody? Brendan, you get the first last question. <laughs> oh, right on. Uh, I'm just wondering what other, uh, so we've, we've tried the, um, the two from you. What others do you have to offer? Or that you've produced? Yeah, well, uh, we I think the, the I think the barley wine is uh, it's a more complex beer that we brought to the states. Uh, the cachaça that was aged in 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 that beer was uh, recently um, awarded with the best cachaça in Brazil. So we handpicked these barrels. Uh, we did uh, we aged the, the the beer there for two uh, two years. So it brought it, it got a lot of the character. Uh, and it was really cool to see the beer evolve inside the barrel. Uh, first of all, it was very bitter, and after a few months, you got some of the cachaça flavor. But at the end, uh, it was it wasn't bitter. You got the cachaça, you got some sweetness, and it was just you know something that re- remembers uh, you know like a, a sweet wine from uh, like after a meal and to drink you know small sips it was really really outstanding yeah last question quick for John is there any style that you've never that you haven't brewed at home that you're dying to try or that you know maybe seems too complex but that you'd really like to get your hands on it a Flanders red yeah yeah that would be my, my style for the next three years that I would like to any try doing uh, no not not in the near future uh, but now that you mention it yeah Maybe and I, what, I, what are, I, I want some, to make something with Kosh, What are some Flanders Reds that you like? Rodenbach Grand Cru is the best. Yeah, it's the one that I like. And um, I don't know if you know Peter Salmond uh, from uh, Other Half Brewing. He makes an incredible Flanders Red. He's very and Last year he won like the National Homebrewers. He was uh, yeah. Homebrewer of the Year along yeah. with the uh, Norlander Brothers. Peter, anything else? Yeah, well, we're actually going to have uh, one of the, the wood-aged way beers over at Brewery Lane on Thursday, doing a way beer event. Is it Brewery Lane or Browridge Lane, Brewery's Lane? In Greenpoint. In Greenpoint. Point, in Greenpoint. Yeah, Brewery, everyone calls it Brewery Lane. But right. anyhow, um, we will have the, uh, the Amburana Lager. Uh, so aged in wood. Also the farmhouse ale, which has yet another tropical fruit in it, the gar- gariboa. I'm going to pronounce gabiroba. Gabiroba. Yeah. Um, and then as well as the, the third in the sour minot series, the acerola. Right. And Mike, anything else? Wrap it up. Yeah. What should I be drinking when I'm uh, here in New York for the next uh, 36 hours or so? What are your uh, What are your What are your picks? That as in. You know, it's been really crushing it lately, especially with the hoppy beers. Is Greenpoint Beer Nail? I mean, there's a, there's several different amazing beers. If you're into something farmhousey, check out LIC Beer Project. Transmitter is amazing. I mean, it's kind of the first time I can say that you would need a week to try all the New York City beers. Sure. Yeah. That's great. But um, let's, I'm going to cut everybody off because first next week, a special show, uh, Broadway Brews, our guys from Happy Hour. The Happy Hour guys uh, took some cast members from Hamilton, and they made a beer with Gun Hill, and we've got some of them on next week. And uh, Ann and I will be in Philly next week also for the Craft Brewers Conference. We've got a couple shows that we'll be recording that will air at a later date. And uh, I'd like to thank our sponsors at Union Beer Distributors who helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Mike, Brandon, John, Alejandro, and BR, and Ann for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy, and our engineer, David Taschiaro. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks, yeah, Jimmy. All right. For listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.